On podcast 1878, Ford finessed their EV targets, Musk's Model T moment, and the Mazda MX-5 slash Miata EV. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Welcome to a new Patreon producer, Chip Bowen. Chip, thank you for signing up. I know you signed up a few days ago, almost a week ago now, and it's taken me a while to get to your name. It's because i got a little stacked up, actually, with Patreon. I like to do a name a day, and actually I've got a, several names to say, and I like everyone to have their, their name in the limelight, as it were. And I do a name a day. So, Chip, thank you so much, my friend. I'm actually going to talk a little bit for three or four minutes about um, the the podcast that I do on Fridays with the other guys and my plans for the next six months. It's the weekend, and I hope you don't mind me doing that. If you're not interested, and I wouldn't blame you because you don't tune in to hear what the podcast host is doing with his life, um, just hit skip forward on your podcast app. I reckon five minutes will get you covered, and we'll get into Ford and their big news about electric vehicles. Um, so if you tuned in yesterday... Uh, expecting to hear and even watch the podcast that I do with Tom Malogany from State of Charge, Kyle Connor from the Outer Spec channels on YouTube, and Dominic as well has his own channel as well. And we weren't there. That's because uh, many months ago, I said to the company that I make the Formula One podcasts for, that you, you I, I know many of the listeners to this podcast go, hey, I hear you on the Formula One stuff. Um, I love F1. And um, uh, I make those podcasts. I really hope that continues. I want to carry on being the host of those shows and, and, and making them as well because I'll watch the races. I like watching Formula One, so I might as well get, also get paid to talk about them on the podcast. Um, hopefully that will continue. Um, but I've been working for that company to make those F1 podcasts, and uh, I just love doing that. And the intention was always to do EV News Daily full-time, but then that came along, and I'm like, well, I love this so much. So I've been doing, you know, effectively sort of two full-time jobs over the last few years. Great for COVID. I work from home full-time, but, you know, they are 17, 18-hour days, uh, tired all of the time, weighing probably more than I ever have done. I'm a little unfit. Uh, stress level's a little bit too high. So earlier this year, what with losing dad and stuff, um, I'd made the decision to just slow down a bit. So I'll do the weekend F1 stuff, um, but then back away from all other things because it was I just not healthy. And, uh, you know, says the person doing a podcast on a Saturday, and I've sort of been half working on Sunday's one. So yes, yes, yes. And it's the Belgian Grand Prix weekend, I know. But when Formula One does a back-to-back, a back, you know, three weekends back-to-back, you know, I can work 22 or 25 days in a row nonstop. This podcast is seven days a week. I was just I was flat out, um, and that's not good and it's not healthy. So I'm backing away from that, which is a, a roundabout way of explaining that I ended up on the Inside EVs podcast three years ago. Well, I launched it three years ago because they, they didn't have one, but I work for the company that, that owns them. So I don't work for Inside EVs, but I was making the F1 podcast, and they, they owned that website as well. So I said, hey, I'll do that for you. And, uh, and so I ended up doing that. But earlier this year, February, March time, when I decided to, uh, you know, to back away, it, it just made sense that I'd give them plenty of time to find a new you know, presenter for my little box of the four boxes on screen. And I let them know that. And so they've had loads of several months notice to do that, which has been um, it, it's fine. It's low stress. It's all very amicable. And uh, but in that time. The other guys also sort of started thinking, well, hang on, if Martin's leaving, then like we don't work for Inside EVs either. So some of them used to, like Tom um, used to do more with them. He, uh, Kyle used to make the videos, but he left to do out of spec. Uh, Dominic doesn't work there anymore. And so uh, they were like, well, hang on, we don't work with this organization. There's going to be four people on the podcast and none of us work here. And yet 
uh, like they've got plenty of really amazing people that could host it. And so, uh, so I think sort of one by one, they all said, like, we'll go and do our own thing. And they've all got their own YouTube channels. They're all very successful now. Uh, but if you tuned in yesterday to watch the Friday podcast and, and thought, oh, hang on, where are they? It's like 20,000 people tune into that on audio and video combined. Then, uh, and we, and we weren't there. Uh, it's just because it was cancelled at the last minute because I think by the time all four of the presenters by that time had said, oh, I'm going to go do something else. They were like, right, we'll reboot the show. We'll take a break for a week. Um, so we never got a show to say goodbye, but we don't need to because we've all got our own channels and it's all fine. And um, they're all very amicable. I may end up doing stuff for them, I don't know, um, in the future. Uh, but uh, if you follow Tom and Dom and Kyle's social media channels, they will fill you in on what they're going to be doing uh, in the second half of the year. Certainly not the last that I've worked with those guys. Um, what form that takes, all still to be worked out. Um, but uh, there you go, there's five minutes on, on sort of my plans. The next sort of six months, slowing down, being healthier, getting life sorted and you know long term like the next four or five years i would like to spend uh like my late 40s just dedicated to ev news daily even if it means we earn less money and we tighten our belts and just so that in my rocking chair when i'm older i think i gave it a go if it doesn't work it's fine but it seems like if i had more time to work on this it could it could be a bigger thing and I could have people working with me on it and it could it could be something that provides an income for other people as well. It provides employment. It spreads the word about EVs bigger and wider than I could ever do on my own. And so that's the dream. That's the plan. That's why I need your help on Patreon. Um, and I'm always talking about it. So thank you so much. Uh, right. That's five minutes on my situation. Uh, and for everyone that just skipped forward five minutes. Hello. Welcome back. You didn't miss much, by the way. It was me rambling about my life and uh, and stuff. So didn't miss a thing at all. Let's get into what you're interested in. Ford shifting their EV goals yesterday as the adoption pace of electric vehicles is changing over time. They've revised their EV production targets because of adoption rates changing. They now aim to manufacture 600,000 EVs by 2024, or 600,000 a year by 2024, not 23, the end of this year. They previously set the target of producing more than 2 million EVs by the end of the year by 2026. That moves to an uncertain time in the future. Despite the slower pace of EV adoption at the moment, Ford's CFO, John Lawler, reassured the transition to EVs is very much underway just at a different pace at the moment over the summer and emphasised that the spending plan and profitability goals of their EV business is all unchanged. Nothing changes. The company's targeting 8% operating margins on their EV business. The CEO, Jim Farley, said the slower ramp-up of EV production over the last few months is actually an advantage for the company because they were early with the Mustang Mach-E, the Ford F-150 Lightning, and he emphasised that the shift to EVs will be volatile. It'll be bumpy at times. Uh, but he believes that Ford is best positioned to guide customers through, to adapt to the pace of change moving to electric. Now, Ford split their company into several little bits recently. The Model E division, uh, Model lowercase e, always looks weird written down, but it does kind of make sense, uh, focuses on their EV. So a big increase in sales and revenue for the second quarter of this year. The last three months, uh, they expanded their sales and revenue. But also, the losses widened as well. Uh, the company sold 34,000 electric vehicles in the second quarter of the year, tripling from the first quarter. Revenue from the Model E sales rose from $700 million in Q1 to $1.8 
billion in Q2. Uh, overall profitability in the second quarter, though despite that, uh, the Model E unit posted a loss of $1.1 billion. They now predict a loss of $4.5 billion from Model E over this calendar year. So yeah, losing $4.5 billion is less good, but it's because they're, they're, they're pro business and their combustion sales are propping up that, and that is what Ford, I think, will be able to do better than some others that have got themselves in, let's say, ooh, a bit of a pickle, looking at you, Volkswagen, because they've made this big head start in electric vehicles. Then they've made a management change. Now they're talking about, well, there's nothing wrong with e-fuels, and what about synthetic fuels? And and all the noises coming out are just a little bit like, ooh, it's, it's a bit stop-start. They would deny that, of course. Uh, but it's it's like, oh, okay, this is a little bit different messaging than we've had from the, the previous management. So let's see where Ford goes. But I think Ford are very well equipped to manage that investment into EVs, come out the other side in good shape. They, they did face downtime recently at their Mexico plant where Mustang Mach-E is produced. That led to a little lower sales than the Mustang Mach-E. All of that work is now done, so you would think that sales pick back up again. The company announced that they'll offer LFP batteries in the Mustang Mach-E and the Ford F-150 Lightning from next year, which lowers costs. And the company's increased their full-year guidance for operating profits to between £11 billion and £12 billion. So Ford is profitable. That's going to drive the shift to EV. They can afford that investment. We've always said, I've said it for years, I've banged that drum, that they that it's the combustion bits and other bits of the business that will, it's, it's just a crossover line and that will drive the move to EV. It's just about where that crossover point hits and how you manage it. And, you know, for a lot of big companies as well, depending on the ownership structure and, and the support of the board and shareholders, that is the squeaky bum time. Sorry, it's a little football reference there from many years ago. But that is the squeaky bum time. That is where you have to hold your nerve and have, or, or you know, if you've made all the right decisions, uh, just trust that it all work, <laughs> works out. These are billion, multi-billion dollar bets they're placing, though. I think Ford's very well equipped to get through. Uh, the CEO, Jim Farley, also compared Tesla's current situation to Ford's early days with the Model T. He said that Tesla's ongoing price war, we've seen those big discounts from Tesla, is a moment for the EV market leader, believing that Tesla's discounting to stimulate demand is what he calls a sugar high. And that actually, that cutting of prices, that sugar high, uh, continues to deteriorate the elasticity of the business. That as prices are cut, fewer people sign up. The commoditization of the product happens, and Tesla's been achieving record production and delivery numbers in recent quarters. The company is also facing a shrinking market market share and a falling profit margin as well. Um, but in the U.S., still dominant over the rest of the world. U.S., um, uh, Europe, sorry, and China, of course, very very different um, story. And I, again, that's a drum that I've banged for a very long time. As Tesla gets more popular, they still put themselves in sort of the luxury segment for many things, but they're not at all. They are the new Toyota, which is something to be really, really proud of. But I haven't been in a Tesla recently and been wowed by the premium feel. I'm wowed by the technology and the software and and how it all is just so perfect. But you sit inside it and you're like, okay, this is fine. But it's not £60,000 fine. If it was my money, I was, you know, was in a Model Y recently and I'm like, well, this is great. And it's just insane engineering. And it's something that nobody else is doing. And Tesla are rocking it right now and just smashing it. But 
you're paying for that. It's not premium. And so increasing those products get commoditized and that well, anybody can put a battery together with the motor together with the other bits and make a car. What really matters is everything around it. And that's where you know companies like Ford have got their heritage to draw upon, where the brands that have been built, like the German brands, if they don't lean into that really heavily and be like, hey, you really want a Mercedes, don't you? Look at the star. Look at the star, my friend. Because what's coming out of China? You've never heard of these Chinese names, but they've put these products together, these commodities, without 100 years of heritage, many of them with two or three years' experience, and they're really compelling. So... That's the situation that Tesla is facing. Despite the competition with Tesla, Jim Farley, Ford CEO, admitted that the Tesla remains the biggest com- competition. And, of course, they are. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the emergence of the U.S. battery belts next. The U.S. government enacted the infrastructure law, the Infra- Inflation Reduction Act as well, to boost the domestic supply of EV batteries. And what happened is a battery belt seemed to form around traditional automotive clusters in the industry. Uh, By 2030, the United States battery cell production capacity uh, is projected to be 900 gigawatt hours. And I'm glad someone's keeping count because these announcements have come thick and fast. And I certainly haven't kept a running wall chart of who's announced what. 900 gigawatt hours annual production capacity. You know, that would be... If I just pick an arbitrary pack size of 75 kilowatt hours, yeah, bigger and smaller, blah, blah. But um, that would be 12 million pure electric vehicles every single year from just domestic U.S. capabilities. That's impressive. Last year, the U.S. contributed 6% to the global battery cell production capacity, and its share of mining, mineral, refining, processing, etc. was 1%. It all happened in China. The IRA provided tax credits for car buyers purchasing EVs that were assembled in North America, and the same for batteries as well. And since that passed, we've seen enormous, enormous investments in uh, Michigan, Georgia. We've seen Ford's Blue Oval Battery Park with uh, SK, General Motors and LG with Ultium cells, Stellantis and their Star Plus joint venture with Samsung SDI, and working with LG as well. And it's... It's an amazing thing that's happened over just the last few years in the United States. And again, I've not I've done a running commentary on it. But when you stand back and look at that investment and how they started from a very, very low base, long way to go, of course, but to decouple from being reliant on China, that's been one of the big stories of the electric industry over the last few years. Right, coming up, we'll talk about building EV batteries here in Europe. And VW's commercial sales are up, but you hope they would do because the ID Buzz is technically sold by them. Stick around, those stories and more are coming soon. Okay, now let's talk about the UK's EV production setting new heights in the first half of this year. UK car production was up 12% in the first half of the year. Uh, The increase in production was driven by cars which were exported as well. And production of electric vehicles, plug-in hybrids as well, increased uh, 72% in the first half of the year compared to the same time last year. It was more than a third of all the cars produced. 
produced here in the UK. Now, that does include some hybrid stuff as well without a plug socket on, and I haven't got the breakdown within that. Uh, the biggest export market is, of course, still the European Union because, well, it's our closest neighbours, and despite Brexit, we are still managing to uh, sell some cars to Europe. Now, next, we'll talk about the Chinese battery cell maker Sunwoda announcing plans to build a EV battery plant in Hungary, investing 250 million euros into the plant, which is a modest investment in the grand scheme of things. Details around the production capacity have not been disclosed. Uh, they're not revealed the intended customers either. But uh, we know that uh, there's other battery products uh, projects happening in Europe. I mean, in Hungary alone, CATL, EVE, Energy, BYD, I think all involved there, all supplying cells to the likes of BMW, Mercedes, Audi, and more. In China, Sunwoda supply the likes of Xpeng, VW's new partner, listen to yesterday's show, uh, Mercedes, GAC, and uh, Dacia as well for their spring, the cheapest EV in Europe. So interesting those cells could be built here. Volkswagen commercial vehicles had a great second quarter of the year, but you'd hope so because the ID Buzz is sold by VW commercial vehicles based on the MEB platform in Q2. Uh, 7,000 of them, I think, were sold. The ID Buzz available in two versions. There's the Pro, which is the passenger version, and the Cargo, which is the van version. 82 kilowatt hour battery. 91 kilowatt hour battery is expected with the longer wheelbase version as well. Uh, that long wheelbase version i think is also coming to the european market sometime by the end of this year worth thinking about if you like the buzz because it's got the bigger screen the software is more sorted although you think the old ones would be updated as well and i think they're just given the interior uh, some of the fixes that weren't right with the original buzz of which there weren't many the buzz is a fantastic vehicle absolutely love it dream driveway definitely one if you if it, a dream driveway is two evs that the buzz continues to be half of my dream driveway something big something small um yeah just gorgeous elon musk's disapproval ratings are increasing a new survey of 5,000 tesla owners these are specifically model 3 owners reveals the disapproval rating of elon musk is the top reason why people are selling their car now this survey does feel a bit like a gotcha it does feel a little bit like they put the survey together to find reasons to write about why people don't like elon musk then they published the results but there we go um since he acquired twitter mr musk has been increasingly vocal about his own politics which are clearly less liberal and um, perhaps a little bit more republican leaning than i think some of those tesla owners who bought the cars the californians the people that thought hey you know musk is all about uh yeah, the same values that i believe in it's clear that he's not but it's okay people can have different politics and we can all still be friends that's okay but um i think that has put some people off because they their ideology is so closely you know, as part of their personality, their makeup. So they don't like driving a car from someone who is of the personality type of Mr. Musk. And so people have been selling their cars based on that. Also, they cited his increasing behaviour uh, on Twitter, which negatively affects the Tesla brand. It was done by Bloomberg, and the 5,000 Model 3 customers uh, were talking about their disapproval rating. Uh, important to note, though, that 87% of Model 3 owners also 
want to buy a Tesla for the next vehicle. And that's the that's my anecdotal evidence that I come across all the time. Tesla owners love their cars. And it, it, the amount of times I talk to a Tesla owner and they go, oh, this car is terrible. It's got phantom braking. Everything rattles and shakes. The windscreen wipers only come on when it's not raining. The auto sensing's absolutely terrible. I paid 55 grand for a Model Y. It's got no rear parcel shelf. And you go, oh, you don't like your car. And they say, no, I love my Tesla. Like they can they can tell you all the things wrong with it and then go, but I absolutely love it. And I've come across that so often anecdotally. So yeah, I'm sure a survey might reveal things that people don't like, or there's a handful of people who are selling their cars because of, you know, what the CEO, who you, who are, you are never going to meet. You, you know, you might think that somebody at a traffic light might look over and be like hey that person's driving a tesla they must love elon musk and he's a bit of an idiot sometimes and i don't think like that but maybe some people do and this survey seems to draw a line between those two things i just think every tesla owner i meet expresses huge satisfaction with their car and uh yeah some of them have complained recently about losing money or they bought the car thinking it would hold its value or sell it for a profit etc but those good times are gone my friends so that's not a reason to not like your car right a couple of stories quickly we'll finish off Panasonic, Tesla's partner, is talking about supplying EV batteries to Subaru, and the potential deal follows a similar announcement with Panasonic supplying Mazda. And we're going to come on to Mazda next. Uh, Panasonic aims to expand their global market share in the face of growing competition from the Chinese and South Korean companies. Panasonic's 4680s, their new lithium-ion battery cells, will be shipping in 2024 with five times the capacity of their 2170 cells. Well, they should do. They're a lot bigger. And the Talking about Mazda, the MX-5, the Miata, for my North American listeners, and the Mazda MX-5, as it should be called, uh, is going to be refreshed in 2026 and electrified. But they haven't said what. So plug-in hybrid, mild hybrid, full EV, we don't know. I don't think it'll be full EV. And here's a controversial statement. Uh, Feel free to tut loudly uh, at your radio or whatever you're listening to this on um i don't think the mazda mx5 miata should be a full ev look at that new um that new roadster that's kind of this Cy- cyberster the new one comes from mg it's like 1800 kilograms well isn't the mazda mx5 like 1100 kilos and so how are you going to make all of the great things that that mazda is brilliant for but it's got i think at the minute I don't know. I'm not good on combustion world, but I think it either has a 1.5 litre or a 2 litre combustion engine with whatever they call it, G-Active or Sky-Active technology that Mazda have. And it's just great. It's two seats. It's light. It's fun. It's small. It's fit for purpose. It doesn't need to carry people going skiing. It's great at what it is. If we electrify 99% of the EV industry and then there's the odd combustion Mazda MX-5 Miata flying around. Does anybody really care? We'll have done the we'll have done the job at cleaning up the air. So I don't know if it becomes an EV. It sort of ruins that car. Maybe plug-in hybrid's a good way to go for an instant burst of power. Possibly. Look, batteries are heavy. And that's just not where the MX-5 Miata is. But either way, new one coming. It'll be electric. They haven't said how much. But to get even a half-decent range, you've got to have a big battery. And then it... Sort of defeats the point of having that car. 
two more stories. And Euronews website I picked up talking about the increasing costs of energy, home energy in Europe. And does that make EVs still cheaper? Well, yes. A study of household electricity prices in EU capitals and the price that you pay for fuel uh, per 100 kilometres showed that it would cost about €6.50 to charge your EV at home. 60, 80% more expensive if you go petrol, 50% more expensive if you go diesel. Meanwhile, in Spain, 117% more expensive to drive combustion. In Poland, 170% more expensive to drive combustion. So even with the huge energy prices that's happened and the recent reduction in petrol and diesel prices, it's still not even close. It's night and day cheaper to drive with electric. And that's before you factor in that some people like myself have solar. And I generate this time of year particularly. Uh, we haven't charged the car from the grid in ages. We're not, doing, we're not doing loads of miles, but still. And finally, Hyundai Motor Group has opened up a joint battery research centre with Seoul National University on their main campus to create the basis of R&D and battery technologies to increase the range and shorten charging times. There's 22 joint research projects in four areas. Lithium metal, solid state, battery management systems and battery process and that's your podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's EV Review Island, YouTube channel Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map, and Lease Plan Electric Moments providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid. 